Mulberry Memories, Chapter 6, The Mulberry Constitution. We the people, in order to ensure ourselves and our posterity, do write a cheap novelty book that will be on shelves in distant country Walmarts and Cracker Barrels, as well as grow very popular in the nation of Sweden for years to come. Aside from the many cheap and cheesy jokes that are made from its language, the U.S. Constitution was, and is, truly a model to the world of what a functioning country looks like. It looks like a dysfunctional family running a circus. Nonetheless, everyone in the world seems to be happy with the way the government is run in the states. Everyone except two large groups of people, one being communists, the other being Americans. Moving on, it is well known in America that almost all eighth graders have to learn about the U.S. Constitution and all the dead guys who wrote it. So we'll see how that goes for Stephen. I really don't mind history. It's actually always been one of my best subjects, aside from lunch. I had had a recent loss of motivation in that field, however. In my seventh grade year with my history teacher back then, Mrs. Ortega, I can still see her bright, smiling face as she taught us about the Abbasids. I, I, I'm sorry, did I use the words bright? or smiling, or for that matter, taut. I should have used the words gloomy and mumbling, and more than all, frowning so much that she had lines and never smiling all but once in all the time that I had her as a teacher. That was Mrs. Ortega. Mrs. Etcher, however, was much better. For one, she actually smiled every now and again to make us feel like she didn't totally despise us. We had learned a great deal about the revolution by this time, and it was for certain my favorite song by the Beatles. Oh, we also learned about the U.S. Revolution, and it was fascinating. We, of course, also learned about the U.S. Constitution, and the time had come for us to be tested on our knowledge. We were to recite the preamble without even looking at it in front of the class. I didn't personally want to go first, so I just let everyone else go before me. Stuart was the first to volunteer. Of course he was. He recited it perfectly, of course. And of course, this was also the guy who had a giant book next a giant box next to his desk filled with copies of things like the Declaration of Independence, the Gettysburg Address, and just about every book written by Sarah Palin and Glenn Beck. A few others volunteered before Mrs. Etcher had to start pulling popsicle sticks out of her jar of souls. Craig was called up to the block. He stood very tall, very strong, and began. We the people, he looked behind him, in order to form a more perfect union, again looks, 
establish justice, ensure domestic and tranquility, provide for the common offense. He again looked behind his back and people started to notice this odd occurrence. Promote welfare and secure the blessings to ourselves and our posterior. Do ordain and establish this constitution of the United States of America. Craig walked back to his chair, and for the first time, everyone in the classroom noticed something we hadn't before. Hey, said Trish, there's a big poster that has the preamble on it right behind where Craig was standing. When did we get that poster there? I asked Alan, who sat by me. It's always been there, he responded. There was uproar, scandal, murder. Okay, so there wasn't murder. And it was just Trish and Stewart accusing Craig of cheating. But it was still dramatic. But you know the worst part of the whole thing, said Mrs. Etcher, is that if Craig was cheating, he still didn't get the thing right. So if he was cheating, he was a very bad cheater. She exclaimed, laughing, and the whole class with her. I went up and said it perfectly, and others came after me, and, and the day was done. We all went home with stronger constitutions that day. Ah. There was really nothing there in that last part that I could make fun of, huh? Um, well, here's part two of the chapter, I suppose. The next day, I rode to school listening to Ray Charles. It was a beautiful drive as usual. Winter coming in made the air cool, but being brawly, not too cool. The green fields we passed along the way glimmered golden as the sun kissed it for the first time that day. We passed by Weast Lake, which was rolling like the Pacific Ocean, and the sun shined through the clouds like a ray of heaven. And then there was Mulberry in the distance. We pulled into the little dirt parking lot, and I stepped out. We were a little late that day, so I walked straight to the hallway outside my classroom and got in the boys' line which was formerly on the right side of the door near the girls' bathroom. And then Mrs. Etcher realized the tremendous problems that came with having a bunch of puberty-stricken guys with absolutely nothing to do standing right outside of the girls' bathroom. So now we were by the water faucets and the janitor's closet. That day in class was a slow one, or so it seemed till Stuart slid something on my desk in front of my nose. It was a piece of paper that read Mulberry Constitution on the top. Now all the recent studying of the Founding Fathers and the U.S. Constitution had inspired Stuart, and for weeks he had been arguing with Mrs. Etcher to be able to make a constitution for the class and for the students to be given some legislative powers in the classroom. 
as she had always refused. Until now, apparently. Will you sign our groundbreaking document? He asked. I'll need to read it first, was my response. He made one of his famous hand signals indicating, go, but hurry up. I read the whole thing from top to bottom. It was dumb, cheesy, almost completely worthless, and I loved every letter in it. I signed it extremely big like John Hancock, and it was soon passed in our little room 20. Now the Constitution entailed that four representatives, two from the seventh grade class and two from the eighth grade class, would be elected by a majority vote and would have sole power to deliberate on behalf of each class on decisions regarding the class as a whole. Once an agreement was made, the request was brought to Mrs. Etcher and she would hold the right to either veto the bill or pass it. Say, for example, somebody wanted to ban parties in the classroom. Congress could deliberate on it and make a decision. The people elected from the seventh grade were Harry and Delilah, and from the eighth grade, it was Stuart, of course, and Ashley. I looked over at a picture of a sun that was next to the month of June on the calendar border of the room, and I said to myself, I always wondered if that sun was rising or setting. Now I know that it's rising. I really didn't say that, but I should have. That day, the Mulberry Semi-Republic was born. I do say semi because, for the record, not a single thing that they ever passed ever actually got signed by Mrs. Etcher. But it was cool, nonetheless.